Hello, my name is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 198 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode A Space for the Unbound Redive. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that this podcast will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Please go there and let me know what you think of the show. You can also subscribe to the podcast on either Apple iTunes, the Google Play Store, or Spotify, and the audio goes up day and date on YouTube. Um, just uh, search for that. It's on its own channel. Uh, like, subscribe, things like that. You can also write to me at gwgpodvelos at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at JustLittleJoe. Um, yeah, so this is usually when I would do a spoiler cast, but I want to be very honest uh, with everybody. I um, got into town late. I've been playing the game. I enjoy the game. I enjoy some of the themes it's bringing up. Um, I want to talk about them today, but... Um, since I got in town late and I've really been sleeping, trying to catch up on sleep and feel a little bit better, I haven't played the game to completion, so I don't, you know, obviously don't want to do or can't do a spoiler cast if I don't beat the game. But I do want to talk about some things that I just had a big brainstorm with my wife last night when I got through a session of playing the game and some of the issues that I think the game raises. Uh, I know I've done the deep dive. Uh, one of the reasons I'm redoing this or calling it a redive is because, you know, last time I did this, I was in a hotel room or an Airbnb in Montana. The audio wasn't great. Uh, I was also working overtime in Montana, so I didn't really have the time to devote to doing a full, you know, like a better episode. And I had only played the prologue of the game, and now I'm through chapter two. And so I have a better idea of what the game is shaping up to be. And some of the things I think it is bringing up, which I really really like and appreciate. And again, I did some research and tried to find some articles. And I will read those to you to talk about, um, you know, what I think is going on in the game. So as I've said all the time, I love psychology today. I go there. Many of the resources are free. And not only is the, the articles written by a licensed clinician, a therapist, or, you know, what have you, a psychologist, when they write uh, an article, they're usually peer-reviewed by the rest of the other staff writers that are also clinicians. They will usually list the names of the people that have reviewed it and their credentials, so you can click on those. Like it's a really great uh, resource if you you know, and they have an awesome search feature. Which I'm going to do some financial stuff this weekend. I'm going to see if I can uh, free up some money to just. I think you can just give them a dollar a month, and uh, you know all the stuff I do on this podcast. I've said it many times. It is worth a dollar, but. What I've been noticing about this game is it seems like in A Space for the Unbound, what I'm seeing so far is there is a massive, massive um, kind of like compartmentalization going on. It seems very clear from the beginning. There's Atma and uh, Namala. I hope I'm saying her name right. But it seems they're co-writers writing the story together. But she also has an abusive father. And what's happening is you're kind of flashing forward and flashing back into this, you know, she. it's almost like you're living out the fiction that her and her co-writer are together. I do like kind of how ethereal some of it seems, even though it's pixel art. Uh, Emma says all the time, he's like, wait, did, did that just happen? Did I just talk to that person? So this really made me start looking up compartmentalization. And this is written uh, by Psychology Today. Unfortunately, this is like the only article I've seen uh, that they don't have a, a date on it. But it says here it was a review by the, uh, reviewed by the Psychology Today staff. So this might be just like general information that they have come up with. So I'm just going to read this to you about 
um, compartmentalization. Compartmentalization is a defense mechanism in which people mentally separate conflicting thoughts, emotions, or experiences to avoid discomfort or contradiction. That uncomfortable state is called cognitive dissonance, and it's one that humans try to avoid by modifying certain behaviors, beliefs, or behaviors, or through strategies like compartmentalization. Defense mechanisms are unconscious strategies whereby people protect themselves from anxious thoughts or feelings. Other prominent defense mechanisms include denial, repression, projection, among others. The concept was developed by Sigmund Freud and his daughter Anna Freud. Although many Freudian theories have been disproven over time, psychologists still believe that defense mechanisms are valid. Um, and I, I want to read this next one. I'm not going to read the whole article. But it says here, compartmentalization, uh, compartmentalization in therapy and mental health. Compartmentalization, compartmentalization is not inherently negative. Uh, I'm going to stop for a second. I thought this was actually pretty amazing. You know, I, when we hear the term compartmentalize, it, for me, it always has a negative connotation. But here they're saying it doesn't. Uh, back to the article. Sometimes you need to put one conflict uh, or uh, one conflict or a side in order to tackle another problem. But in some instances, compartmentalization can be indicative of a deeper problem. For example, someone who experienced childhood abuse, kind of like the game, uh, maybe maybe not willing to acknowledge the process, the experience uh, or process the experience as it conflicts with their sense of self. On the other hand, someone might compartmentalize a wrongdoing of their own, such as loving, such as loving her husband while having an affair with another man. Working with their parents can allow people to acknowledge inner conflict, perhaps change the the behavior, and they have all these great drop down uh, boxes. Um, and I would I just want to read this drop down box, um, like grayed out box. Some of them drop down, some of them are just general notes. It says, "Can compartmentalizing ever be helpful?" When people are dealing with a number of serious problems at the same time, it can be difficult to maintain focus to accomplish necessary tasks. Putting a problem on hold by compartmentalizing can uh, can help them take action. Although disengaging with emotions isn't a long-term solution, it can be a valuable tool from time to time. Um, and um, I just I did this other drop-in one. This is the last part of that I call reading. Uh, how else can people reduce cognitive dissonance? Compartmentalization uh, uh, is one way to reduce cognitive dissonance, but some people address conflicting values in other ways as well. Some people might convince themselves they did nothing wrong. For example, if they stole a, a cab from an elderly lady, they might think there was probably another one coming away. Others might try to revise their morals. I stole that cab, but no one is a saint. We all do bad things sometimes. This mental effort to reduce cognitive dissonance be one one of the costs of unethical behavior. And they link an article, which I will not read. But this is why, you know, I've said it many times, I love psychology today. You know, the amount of research they do, the fact that they cross-reference or at least fact-checked, uh, you know, peer-reviewed articles and stuff is pretty amazing. And I think that's kind of what's going on. I think this is happening more and more kind of in the game. I have this sense that... Um, Namala is kind of, um, you know, writing about this this uh, creature going to the stars. The game does come with a warning about depression and suicide, so I hope that doesn't happen. Um, or, you know, maybe they're just warning people that these are the thoughts she's bringing up. Um, but, like, the idea that she's trying to write this thing to uh, compartmentalize what is going on, write it in fiction, that was another thing I researched. There was a great blog... Um, I'm going to read it right now called, uh, uh, it's by the Cleaver, um, 
which is Philadelphia's international literary magazine. Um, I think Philly was the, I think they called it Cleaver with Molly Hatchet. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, but this woman specifically, uh, I'm going to just read this. How fiction helps me and maybe you deal with past trauma. A craft essay by uh, Kelly Forden. In her essays, Nine Beginnings, Margaret Atwood answers the questions, why do you write? Nine different ways. In her honor, while completing my recent short story collection, I have the answers, or I have the answer, I challenge myself to answer the question, how does writing fiction help you deal with trauma? Nine different times. Now, I'm not going to read all the nine different times, but some of these, they you just answer it different ways. So she's going to ask herself the same question. Uh, how does writing fiction help you deal with trauma? She asks it over and over again in the article in bold, and then she responds down below. She does it nine times. Again, I'm not going to read every one, but... I'm going to read, you know, the ones that I thought like hit me. And also, you know, if I believe what's happening in For the Space for the Unbound, she's writing a story about dealing with the trauma of her father. So she is using these analogies of like um, ascendance, these gods she's writing about that are going to go to heaven. This idea that maybe she can go past this. Anyway, let me read this uh, this um, blog. Um, one, how does fiction help you deal with your own trauma? Um, answer, I write about trauma t to stop disassociating. After I was sexually assaulted in high school, I did not initially understand what had happened to me. I was Catholic, raised in a strict household. My mother told me that if I went into my room alone with a boy, anything that happened after that was my fault. For that reason, when I decided to make out with a boy in high school and things went south, I blamed myself, froze, and waited for it to end. When I first wrote about it, I had no choice but to fictionalize the event. I didn't remember anything about the house, where I was assaulted, the bedroom, or even who else was at the party. The only thing that stuck with me was the name of the actions of the perpetrator. Fiction allowed me... Uh, oh, was the name and actions of the perpetrator. Fiction allowed me to spa uh, the space and leeway to set a scene to replace the one in my mind had erased. This is what I think is kind of going on in the game. You know, there's traumatic things that are happening, and she's trying to find a space to express that, not even in a healthy way, but just express it. Because maybe she doesn't, you know, maybe Namala doesn't know what's going on with her father. She doesn't know why her father's doing this or why, why he, you know. Um, something I heard a long time ago in, like, an interview was somebody um, was talking about something they read. And when you're very young you're a child, you know, your parents are uh, perfect. They are the model of perfection. But um, obviously this is all like secondhand, secondhand, but what they were saying was if your parents are perfection and they do something to hurt you, either emotionally, physically, um, you know, verbally, whatever, however the trauma starts and your parents are doing it, you internalize that as a child because uh, you think that it is your fault because there's no way your parents who are going to raise you and shepherd you to a certain age teach you the difference between right and wrong there's no way that they can ever do anything to hurt you so if they do do that then uh in the back of the kid's uh child's brain they think they did it so that's kind of like i think what fiction does is it allows you to like carve out a space to say this is mine um uh this is the next part i'm gonna i'm gonna read this again how does fiction uh, help you deal with your own trauma <clears throat> answer i write about trauma so i can hear my own voice after you are traumatized, you go to therapy and you spend months working through it. Uh, you very hope, 
Hopefully you have a few voices in your head. You have the voices of your family and friends all telling you, again, hopefully, that what happened wasn't your fault. You have your, your therapist voice in your head, again, hopefully telling you it wasn't your fault. If the traumatic event was experienced by others on a large scale, a mass shooting at a concert, 9-11, a car crash, you will read essays, letters, newspaper accounts of the event telling you exactly what happened from so many different angles and probably how you should feel about it. But only you can write your own story and your deepest feelings. Only you know what specifically, what happened specifically to you. In order to hear that voice, your inner voice, the most important one, you must silence everyone else and write it down. Um, yeah. If this podcast has taught me nothing, well, I mean, it's taught me a lot. It's it that, you know, some of the ways I deal with uh, grief is reading what other people say about grief, not to gatekeep and say that they've said something wrong or something incorrect. But I think there's a deeper truth to human emotions where if you see somebody express something that is so true that hits you in the soul. I think that is the kind of stuff that I think any medium, and especially now games can do, and I've talked about it many times in this podcast, by looking at how other pre people process grief, it helps me process my own grief, I think, and not even put my grief in perspective, but at least understand all these different ways. That's why I think with this podcast, I do not just want to do stuff about death. You know, grief is... Uh, is, is, is um, multifaceted. You know, I've talked about it many times. It isn't just someone in your life dying or someone you care about deeply, um, you know, um, passing away from a disease. It can be a divorce. It can be a friendship breaking up. My uh, friend and I, Martin, talked about that on our episodes of The Banshees of Nishirin. I know there's some symbolism with that movie in the Irish Civil War, but I think just at face value of two friends breaking up, I think it was a very good movie. But what I'm trying to say is it, it's almost like you know, when you um, when you have a, a love or a passion in life and you want to figure out how people did that passion so you in turn can do that better, it's like, you know, if you want to play guitar, you watch guitar videos on YouTube, you go to the local guitar shop and you start asking tricks, maybe you practice with friends, maybe you start listening to music you would never listen to. Like if you love country music and want to play guitar, maybe you're like, you know what, maybe I should learn some of these jazz scales or blues scales for country, maybe that'll help me be an artist. And so in a weird way, I think all, me reading about all this grief and like playing all these games and, and, uh, and reading about like these blogs about this woman talking about her assault and how it helped her shape a better narrative is a way for me to contextualize my own grief. So um, I'm going to do episode 200 soon. I'm very looking forward to the end of A Space for the Unbound, by the way. If this game pays off in a way that I, again, think it will towards the end of the game, I hope that um, I can come to you tearful. I, I've heard that I will probably, there's been several reviews out there that say that I may ugly cry, and so I don't want to do that. But if I ugly cry, hopefully it'll be in the morning and, and it's getting sunnier here in Washington State. So I'll be able to go outside and experience like, you know, the warm sun, walk with my wife and the dogs and maybe have a better day. But, um, you know, I don't want to sell this game short again. I've been uh, traveling a lot and sleeping to catch up with the time change where I was at, which wasn't much, but it's still a time change. Um, I'm really looking forward to finishing this game and I'm really looking forward to do more episodes. I'm almost on to episode uh, 200, which I'll be going to video, so it won't affect the time of, uh, you know, when this posts, everything will post in the same time, but you, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you'll be actually be able to see my face, 
and not just a picture of the podcast icon. So that'll be new. Um, and I think that's it this week. But before I go, I want to remind you guys, this podcast will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 p.m. 7 a.m. Please go there. Let me know anything of the show. Leave a comment. If there's something you want me to review or maybe you played a game that I've reviewed, you want to know your thoughts on that, you can do that there. You can leave a comment below. I put a link for the podcast there uh, for SoundCloud. You can also go to um, Apple iTunes, Google Play Store, or Spotify, and go to YouTube. The audio goes up day and date. So on Monday, so all that stuff publishes uh, at the same time. So if those are the places you want to subscribe to the podcast, please go there. You can also write to me at GWG, GWGPodfellows at gmail.com. Uh, again, if there's a game you want to interview, leave it there. If you uh, have some thoughts about the pod or anything, uh, put them there. And then also you can find me on Twitter at Just Little Joe. Um, I think it's a pretty good episode this week. I think it's better. Last week, again, I was like, I did it. It got published and I thought, man, I'm not this isn't this isn't good so i'm i'm redoing that episode i had more time to research stuff and i just need a little bit more time to finish the game so um yeah uh have a good week and i will talk to everybody again next week